The woods are lovely, dark and deep, but I have stories to tell, and they won't help you sleep. My name is Richard Shepherd, and this is Hallowed Histories. Firstly, an apology to Robert Frost for twisting his famous poem into an introduction to this episode. And secondly, an apology to you, the listeners, for the hiatus last couple of months. Hallowed Histories has been moving house, and if the thought of unshelving, boxing, moving, unboxing, and reshelving 3,000 books doesn't scare you, then you're made from stronger stuff than us. But we're here now. Still in East Anglia, of course, just with a different view. In the new garden are two trees, a fir and a silver birch, that take up most of the space and the shade. They are orphans, of course, two trees that stand separate and alone, far from the forest. Norfolk doesn't really do forests, sadly. We have some, yes, but nothing to match the Forest of Dean for scale and depth. However, the forest we're going to look at today, Fridden Woods, also known as the Waveney Forest, has enough creepy elements to make any East Anglian glad that they go no further than their own boundaries. We begin our stroll through the woods in the ancient past, travelling along the forest road that cuts through the woods. This road rises and rises, unusual for this famously flat county, until it reaches an apex. There, you're at the top of Bell Hill, and there you should park. Then on foot follow the direction of the road, until you come to a mound in the earth covered with bracken, branches and moss. It's not much to look at, but this hump represents the only barrow found still existing in East Anglia. This one is a round barrow rather than a long barrow, a circle rather than a coffin-shaped rectangle, but either way there are the dead buried beneath it. They've lain there since at least the Bronze Age, and maybe even further back to the Neolithic. No one has dug them up to check, which seems fair, and we will not disturb their sleep either, although it would help to solve one mystery. You see, in the early 16th century, the famous Cardinal Wolsey received a letter from one of his many contacts in his network. In the letter, the correspondent described a treasure trove buried on Bell Hill, beneath the burial mound, which included a solid gold plough. Wolsey, perhaps used to hearing these kinds of tales, also decided to let the dead lie, and so should we, and instead descend from Bell Hill into Fritton Woods itself, all watched over by the ancient dead. An aerial view will reveal the badly kept secret at the centre of Fritton Woods, which is a beautiful two mile long lake that cuts through the centre of the forest. Originally, the area had been dug out for peat, inadvertently causing a flood that came to stay. Eventually, a flood that stayed is called a lake, and so Fritton Lake came to pass. The water itself is placid, tranquil and still, an atmosphere that has caused the lake to become a place for holidaymakers looking for an escape. There's even a floating sauna that sits on Fritton Lake and bellows out steam like a fog rolling in. 
Wood cabins and a few cottages are scattered amongst the woods, and they're mostly holiday lets. A summer here can be a magical place, but as a story from 1901 shows us, living by Fritton Lake, in Fritton Woods, on a more permanent basis, through the long cold winter, may be unwise. We only have a few details about this haunting, but the few we have are tantalising. You see, in 1901, a woman lived on her own in an isolated cottage in Fritton Woods. The exact location is unknown, for isolation is one of those things that Fritton has in excess. And most cottages in the woods are removed enough from their neighbours that you can't even see the lights from their houses go on and off at night. The darkness and the silence are absolute, which some holiday makers must be part of the appeal. And yet remember, this story takes place in January 1901, a time of year when there must have been even fewer people around, and the trees and lakes silenced with snow and ice. The woman living there must have felt even more alone. However, she was to find out that being alone wasn't the problem. It was quite the opposite. For days now she'd been noticing odd sounds around the cottage, what sounded like the tapping of fingers could be heard in the cold, empty rooms with no explanation. It was not the ice thawing on the roof in a steady drip, nor was it a prank. No one came near enough to want to frighten the poor woman. And as the winter drew on, the noises increased, until the finger tapping was accompanied by an even more chilling sound, disembodied footsteps pacing the rooms and corridors of the cottage night after night. The woman became increasingly more terrified, until one particularly cold, dark night, the tappings and the footsteps increased. Cowering beneath her bedclothes, she prayed for the ordeal to be over, but instead of ceasing like they had done before, the noises were replaced by the feeling of cold, dead hands tugging at the blankets, and once these were thrown aside, pulling at the poor woman herself. She could see nothing, but felt every square inch of those dead, icy hands on her, trying to pull her away from the bed towards who knows what. Finally, summoning up her courage, she leaped out of the bed, and ran as fast as she could from the cottage, not stopping until she had reached nearby Fritton village. She never returned to the cottage, understandably, but two local men on hearing her story resolved to spend the night there. They wanted to banish the ghost, they said. Whether that meant a makeshift exorcism or finding a logical explanation, we don't know. There were certainly no more stories about a ghost in Fritton woods, but as we all know, there are stranger things than ghosts. In the summer of 1997, Fritton Woods would have been an excellent place to get away from the stifling city heat. The cool breeze from the lake and the shade of the trees proved very tempting to people looking for a little respite. One couple, who have chosen to remain anonymous, picked out a spot in the woods accessible by car, yet remote enough to enjoy the scenery. However, as the day grew longer and the night fell, the shadows under the trees grew darker and darker. It wasn't a relief to be out of the scorching sun, but quite the opposite. As they sat there in the car, you see, the couple were struck by an odd feeling of being watched. And then they began to notice other things, like how silent the forest had become. There was no bird song, no lapping of Lake Fritton on the shores, and how those shadows under the trees seemed to deepen, deepen, 
and then move. Two creatures, as they were described, appeared from those shadows and slowly approached the car. They were human in shape, yet tall and emaciated, with particularly long wizened necks and long slender fingers. They were in the dark, keeping to the shadows so their faces weren't visible, but they were approaching. Understandably afraid, the driver started the car and turned on his headlights, which caused the creatures to skitter back to the shadows. And rather than investigate further, the couple drove quickly back along the forest road and back to the main road leading into the city, never daring to venture back into the woods again. What were they? Aliens? Guardians of that golden plough? The same creatures that had almost driven a woman mad tapping those long fingers against the walls of the cottage? We don't know. We have a few trees, but we certainly can't see the forest for them. And I, for one, am more than happy to leave it that way. Thank you for listening to Hallowed Histories with me, Richard Shepherd, research done by Dr. Linda Shepherd and technical advice by Stephen L. Parks. Feel free to write to us at hallowedhistories at gmail.com and don't forget to like, rate, review and subscribe to this podcast on wherever you get podcasts from. Thank you very much.